All right, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, I'm really excited for today's book.、Uh, we're gonna talk about a new book called Psychology of Money, and I finished this book、uh, last week.、Um, it's actually a really decent read. A lot of、um, ideas about finances, about money management, is actually changed my mind on on a couple of things that I feel like. Are interesting, and I just want to share it with you guys. This will be a series,、um, and、um, we go from there. Okay, so what is the psychology of money, right? What does this book entails? What is their core message? It's essentially this, right? So, doing well with money、uh, has little to do with how smart you are, right? People think that oh yeah, like this guy,、uh, this guy has money. That means they're rich, but it really doesn't really matter, right? Like Trump is quote unquote rich, although he's like deeply in debt right now. But <laughs> right, like he he was the you know like the original like the wealthy second generation, right? So it's really about how you behave, right? So ordinary folks can be wealthy with no financial education. People always think that when you are rich, you must know a lot about stock market or about savings. The more I know about finances, the more I read books. The, you know, I took a couple of finance classes back in college. The more I know about it, the more I realize that not everybody has to become a Goldman Sachs, you know, financial analyst to be good with money. And I even wager that they even know less about money than than everyday folks, right? So. What is the psychology of money? Like, what really matters here? It's not really knowledge about markets or intuition about what stock is going to go up or go down. You know, please, 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 do not time the market. It's really about the、uh, having the right handful of behaviors or behavioral、uh, skills, in a sense, right? And those behaviors, anybody can learn them. Anybody can. Do well with them. They don't need a finance degree from a well-known university, right? So,、uh, story time, right? So, if you are in the Western world, if you、uh, Wikipedia this person called Ronald Reed, right? Reed as in reading, R E A D. So, he grew up and he lived in a small town near Vermont,、uh, like a rural area. He fixed cars for twenty-five years. He He was a janitor for J.C. Penney for like seventeen years, and、um, he bought a house when he was like forty something for twelve thousand dollars. Lived there till he died, and Ronald passed away in twenty fourteen at age ninety two. Okay, done. That's all he done, right? So, from that kind of a quick bio on Ronald Reed, how rich do you think he is? I'm. I'm gonna pause. I'm gonna let you think about this. A guy from rural part of Ver,、uh, Vermont, fixed cars, blue collar for twenty five years, a, a, a janitor at J C Penney for seventeen. How rich do you think he is? Most people will say he's probably living paycheck to paycheck, or he's quote unquote poor. Right? He's not the one that have money. But when he died, he had eight million dollars. Is that what? How? Like how can that happen? So on his, on his Wikipedia, his his title is a car fixer, <laughs> janitor, and a philanthropist. Right. 
So all of his $8 million, he left two for his children, $2 million, and he donated the other $6.7 to the local hospitals and local libraries. Okay. Throughout his life, Ronald did not win the lottery. Ronald, uh, Ronald didn't have any uh, inheritance. How did he build his wealth on a, you know, uh, minimum wage janitor? I don't know how well Gen uh, Penny paid their janitors, but um, how can he do that, right? And as it turns out, all Ronald was doing uh, throughout his life is every single little pieces of like savings, he would just buy blue chip stock, right? Buy the Googles, buy the Amazons, buy the, you know, the, the, the big company stock. And then over the time of his lifetime, and he accrued $8 million, right? So that is a prime example of financial success is not really a hard science. You don't need to go to business school to learn about finances. It is a soft skill, right? If you can do what Ronald did, you will be a multimillionaire by the time that you know you retire or by, by, by the time that you die. So how you behave is more important than what you know. And that's why I'm a big believer in copying successful quote-unquote elites uh, behavior in reading in, in, in everyday life and their mindset because I don't need to know what they know. I only need to know what they do and I can copy them and if it works for me, it works for me, right? So... That is the point that I want to hammer to you guys for today is that if you think about finance, right? You think about people wearing suit and tie, right? Fancy suit, right? Like, you know, like uh, alligator shoes, right? And finance is being taught as a mathematical base field. I, re I remember I took like three finance classes back in, um, back, back in college, uh, business school. I wanted to become a finance major, but I opted out I, I opt in for marketing just because I don't want to <laughs> get into drilling down the mathematical formula, trying to calculate, oh, oh, uh, how much this stock is going to worth in five years if you have a discount rate of like 5%, right? So if you think about it, finance is really, really a math-centric field. Then we have the elites, right? We have the Harvard Business School, we have the Yale, we have the Goldman's people. Those schools, they teach finance on a very high level, but does it really translate to having better luck in investor, right? Like how many of those people become a better investor? I will wager uh, none or maybe one, maybe two, right? So the point is, is there is a disconnect between, in a sense, learning about finances, about how to depreciate money, uh, learn the time values of money, then there's a disconnect between learning that and become a better investor. And, and I think that is an interesting part is that we don't need to know that all that crap, right? We, we, just don't, we, we, we just don't need it. If you can have a handful of behavior over time, com uh, compounding interest, of course, we're going to talk about Buffett in this case, right? Uh, I'm probably going to touch on him tomorrow or in two days, but that's how we become a better investor, right? So... According to the author, Morgan, I think he makes a good point, is that we treat finance as hard sciences, as chemistry and as physics. We teach finance like them, but in reality, we should teach finance as a psychology course. And that statement I loved because 
if you really think about it, right, what does the uh, stock market consist of? People's behavior, people's expectation, people's feelings, right? Like today, like the stock will probably go down because Trump, uh, Trump got COVID, right? And the, the assets goes down because, you know, Pence might get it, right? Uh, the whole White House might be dysfunctional. When you have, a, you know, rumblings of political instability in the White House, in the most powerful country of the world, the stock will go down, right? Is, is that reasonable? Who knows, right? Does that mean that Trump is not going to be a good leader now he contracts COVID? Who knows? But that is the feeling of everybody. So... I totally agree that with finance, it would be interesting to teach it from a psychology perspective. And that's why I think that behavioral finance is kind of interesting, right? Uh, so does behavioral economics, because we shouldn't approach it as a hard science like physics. It should be a psychology course. So in a sense that we should not focus that much on, oh yeah, how do we calculate the appreciation rate for this stock in 20 years? That, that shouldn't matter, right? Like, well, that, that should matter if you're an analyst for Goldman, but for everyday people, we should study why the investors sell at the bottom and buy at a high. Why does this person think that this is a good time to get, to get into this company well, the other person doesn't feel like that way, right? So, in a sense, from a financial perspective, that history never repeats itself, but man always does, right? In the financial uh, history is that people always think about fallacies, right? How do we correct them? But when you are really in the moment, it's very hard for you to self-correct, right? Or course-correct. So, in a sense that Financial history-wise, people will always behave. People will always have feelings. Or people are always going to be emotional. So you see, financial history always repeat and repeat them, them themselves, right? So just to cap off on the introduction to psychology of money, getting rich is really about learning the behaviors of a good investor, of a good saver, not about the itty bitty details of finance. And secondly. We should really approach finance not as a hard science perspective, but really approach it as a, a psychological, as a psychology perspective, right? Behavioral finance or behavioral economics. That is the best way to go. Because very, very hardly, like the Ivy League educated business people or finance people, it's hard for them to correlate and transfer that into a better investor. So that's my two cents on this book. Uh, Hopefully uh, you take away the more than I give you guys. And I really recommend this book for everybody to, to read about saving for investment, all that fun stuff. And um, this book's um, ideal tactics in savings and investing really matches my long-term uh, investing philosophy. So everybody in the Western world should read this and everybody in the Eastern world should read this as well. Um, as a idea of how really we should see finance. All right, guys. Thank you. That's for me. If you like the podcast, please subscribe and share it with your friends. Give us five stars in whatever you listen, and we go from there. All righty.